Dotnet Rocks episode 696 with guest Billy Cravens. Recorded live Thursday, September 1st, 2011. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklin's.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at franklins.net. And now here are Carl and Richard. Hey, thank you very much. This is Carl and Richard. And uh, we're here for .NET Rocks. We're here for you. Yeah, and we'll do a little .NET Rocks along the way. A little bit. So what's new? Uh, I'm pedaling away, you know, falls upon us. It's colder at night. It's not as warm during the day. And the kids are going back to school. And that's okay with me. It's all okay. Yeah, nothing but good things. Hey, you know, we're almost at build here. We're almost at build. And, uh, you know, Mr. Hollis is doing his thing. Hopefully, by the time this is published, it's not sold out. But we're talking about Billy Hollis is doing a pre-con all by himself at build on sort of the fundamentals of design. Not any, uh, it's pretty much technology agnostic. Um, and, uh, if you go to billyhollis.com slash build, you'll be able to see that it may be sold out by now. By the time we recorded this, he was only half sold out, but uh, by now Things it's are going sold. fast. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't jumped on board, we're talking about Billy Hollis here, one of the finest minds when it comes to design. And what he's going to talk about is just what you need to be thinking about going in the doors at Build. Yep. So go there on Monday, go to Build on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. You'll be smarter. Hey, how about uh, Better Know Framework? I love it. What have you got? Wacky freaking music, man. That's what I've got. <laughs> <laughs> it's been weird music for a few years now, my friend. Uh, just every once in a while it hits me. So uh, I'm talking about HTML5 tags. Okay. And um, some of them, you know, are interesting. Some of them are kind of, huh? Huh? But uh, this here's one, the Mark tag, M-A-R-K. This uh, this is what Mark Miller puts in his um, in nice. this HTML5. No. <laughs> this is essentially to highlight part of a text. Oh. And it's supported by all five major browsers. Nice. Uh, you just use mark and slash mark, and that highlights parts of your text. So uh, it, it's kind of the same way that bold works, you know, or something like that, but it, it, it it's a highlight. Awesome. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Hey, who's talking to us? I grab. You're gonna love this comment. I grabbed this comment off of show 692. That was the one we did with uh, Emily Lewis talking yeah. about microformats. What a great show! It was a great show. And this comment is from Craig Colomb. And let me read this to you. I started listening to DNR about a year and a half ago when my work started to incorporate some .NET development, mainly work in Lisp and an industry-specific language called TSL. The show is great. I became totally hooked when DNR helped me resolve an issue I had regarding office interop assemblies. We're here for you, man. Well, we're here to serve. It was kind of icing on the cake when I realized how much we had in common. Bourbon. Mmm. Woodford. <laughs> Real barbecue. Yeah. Home recording. Sometimes uh. it seems you guys were funky, alternative universe versions of me. Hmm. Huh. When I heard about Carl's newly released album on the show, I thought, heck, that's an impressive accomplishment. I'll do him a favor and buy a copy. Ah. Do you a favor? Not hardly. More <laughs> like the other way around. <laughs> that music rocks. Cool. No pun intended. Well, maybe it was, but you know. <laughs> 
It's like an undiscovered Steely Dan album. I love it. Too kind. Someone who goes beyond DCG, dissidence, syncopation, and well-recorded too sounds great on my Magnapans. Hmm. I have a long drive tomorrow, the Labor Day mountain bike camping trip, and so I'm excited to have new music to keep me company. So nice work, Carl, and a terrific podcast, fellas. Thanks for your work and keep it up. I've been kind of away from music for a bit. But I thought you might enjoy this tune of mine, and he sent us a link to listen to some of the stuff he's done. So, hey. Craig, couldn't help but read that one, because, you know, he thought you were doing us a favor, turned out we were doing you a favor. Oh, My great. friend Carl can play. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want to check that CD out for yourself, it's called Lifeboat to Nowhere, and it's at franklinbros.com. And at the as of this recording, we have nine five-star reviews on Amazon.com. Awesome. And uh, I'm going to send a mug to Craig, and you can get one, too. Just write a comment on the website or send us an email at dotnetrocks at franklins.net. Our guest today is Billy Cravens. And Billy uh, is a guy who responded to uh, a show that where we made some mentions about Cold Fusion, and uh, he had some stuff to say, so we invited him on the show. He is an independent web consultant building solutions in Cold Fusion since version 4.0 in 1999. He is also manager of the Houston Cold Fusion Users Group, a frequent user group speaker, and also speaks at conferences on Cold Fusion, including the recent Dallas Tech Fest and the upcoming Adobe Max Cold Fusion Unconference, which sounds like a hoot. He was a technical editor for Rocks Publishing's only Cold Fusion title, as well as some of their first .NET titles. He's a Cold Fusion advocate, not a fanboy, B-O-I, I love that spelling there. Not a fanboy, building PHP, PhoneGap, Windows Forms, and ASP solutions dating to ASP 2.0. Welcome, Billy. Welcome, welcome to .NET Rocks. Well, thanks for having me. Wow. Okay, you're old school web development, too. I remember the beginning of ASP as well, and it, it was magic at the time, but it's horrible now. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, tell Richard, tell us the story about what happened here with uh, why Billy is on the show in the first place. Well, this was an email sequence, right? Sometimes we get a comment back on a show, and I think, I can't remember what, you remember which show it was where I was teasing about Cold Fusion? It was the, I can't remember the show number. I know it was when Ray Bango was. Uh, oh, you. yeah, Ray Bango. Yeah, right. yeah, and we were talking, we were talking a whole lot of JavaScript. You get down that web path sooner or later, you know, Cold Fusion, well, Cold Fusion is such old school technology, right? I mean, it's, it's really from the ASP era. So, uh, and you fired me an email and we went back and forth a few times. And, uh, finally I thought, you know, we don't know enough about cold fusion really. Yeah. And uh, I think people need to know more. So let's, let's do a show on it. Why not? Let's have that conversation. So we, maybe you need to set the stage here because this goes back to the beginning, really, I think of web development. Cold fusion's really old school. Right. Yeah, Cold Fusion um, is actually was written by a, 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 a brother team, uh, Jeremy and J.J. Allaire. Uh, one of them was actually the business guy. One was the programmers, as is often the case. And they just needed a solution whereby they could build uh, web apps without having to go through sort of the rigmarole of, you know, Perl or CGI. Um, they just wanted to basically abstract the ability to really do nothing more than talk to databases. Initially, that's uh, that's what it did. And that was back in, I believe, 1995 is when the uh, version 1.0 of Cold Fusion was released. Right, 1995. I remember. <laughs> and it's obviously didn't stop there. I mean, it's still going today, is it not? 
Oh, it's going strong. They're actually about to release version 10 of the platform uh, probably Jeez. later this year. I think they're going to, it's in you know alpha. They're probably going to have a, an announcement here at Adobe Max uh, next month. But yeah, it's a very strong platform. Probably has more developers today than it than it ever has, in spite of all the uh, you know the, the conversations out there that say that the language is dead. Well, I think I told the story on the Ray Bango show. I'm not sure if I did, but if I didn't, um, my only experience with Cold Fusion, I've never actually used the product, but I I kind of have heard people that use it say how great and easy it is to to develop web pages. So I have a sort of a visual basic-like image of uh, sort of draggy-droppy web building. Um, But anyway, uh, I had a couple of students in a class that somebody sent to me because they thought my class on VBNet programming, my hands-on class, was really for beginners, which it wasn't. So these two people were Cold Fusion developers and had never done any VB, had never done any ASP.NET, and they got really frustrated really fast because, you know, we were going into NTR architecture and here's your classes and, you know, here's your database layer and, uh, you know, and here's how we reuse this code in, in a web application and in a Windows application. And, you know, they're, all this stuff and, and they were just like, you know, I could have done this in Cold Fusion in five minutes. And we're here on the third day digging into this NTR architecture that they didn't even have any idea that this was how software was built. So they actually asked for their money back, you know, they, and I, I gave it to them just because it was a, a mismatch of um, skills. Like the person who sent them didn't realize that they weren't, they, they weren't, uh, this wasn't a beginner class. But anyway, that's my only experience is that they were very, very frustrated with having to write so much code and having to understand so much about, you know, development. Well, and I, let me speak to, to uh, two points there. One, um, the misconception that uh, Cold Fusion is, I guess, a visual platform. Uh, in the same way, you know, I, there might be a perception that it's like, you know, they're building a Windows form app where, you know, you drag here, you drag here, and, you know, maybe, maybe do a little bit of wire up. It really is a, uh, you know, a programming first language. Um, as a matter of fact, most of the tools out there that are written for, uh, that have tried to attempt to, you know, make it visual, such as, you know, uh, Adobe's Dreamweaver product, have really, they'd fail miserably because I think most programmers are used to working in a, in a, uh, a text mode. And I think that bears sort of explaining from a high point of view what Cold Fusion really is. Okay. Um, it is a, it's, it's interpreted just like PHP, um, or, you know, uh, say Ruby, um, and even to a certain degree, you know, ASP or ASP.NET, uh, it's primarily tag-based, meaning if you look at a Cold Fusion application, it looks a whole lot like just HTML. Um, you know, you might have tags for setting variables or for making calls to the database, for looping through variables, etc. Mm. And that's the primary mode in which you work. Um, mm. You typically build it the same way you would build, say, a PHP app. Okay. Um, and so the idea that it's visual, I think, is just, I think over the years, both from some Cold Fusion develop, you know, I guess evangelists trying to push it as being super, super duper, you know, RAD to uh, people who have, I guess, sort of have a, a derisive view of Cold Fusion. It sort of, I think, has gotten kind of a bad rap as being a little simpler than it really is. Um, Cold Fusion is essentially just a, a set of abstractions on top of the things that you would normally do. 
you know, instead of invoking, say, a connection string and then pulling up a database driver and, and, and starting up a connection, you simply define all that stuff uh, via a, a web interface in the uh, ColdFusion administrator, and then inside of your application, you just call a tag, CF query, give it a data source, stick a SQL statement inside of it, and then it spits you back what, you know, most languages would refer to as a record set. We just call it basically a query object that we can then loop over. And many of the other things that you would want to do in an application, FTP access, HTTP access, uh, calling web services, uh, PDFs, uh, maybe you want to show a flash video or something, an FLV. All these things have a series of abstractions that you can then, in most situations, call via a, uh, a tag-based uh, interface. And the fact that it's been so simple, and it really, you can build an app in like five minutes. If you're a, if you take somebody who is halfway program minded, you know, maybe somebody they've been maybe building some macros or something, you can show them a little bit of, of cold fusion, and they can be building fully functional apps within five minutes. Now the point is that obviously that, that, that gets to the, you know, the strength of the programmer. Not as a cold fusion guy or a .NET guy or a Java guy, but just the strength of a program, a person as a, programming-minded person. And it sounds to me like the guys that you and you had the uh you had in your class were probably sort of that really generic sort of, you know, abstract kind of programmer because a lot of the things that you talk about in .net, um interior architecture, uh you know, setting up a um you know, maybe separate maybe a, a pattern such as MVC, etc. most, you know, intermediate to advanced level cold fusion programmers you know, use those things as well. So they would not okay. be, you know, alien to those concepts. Okay. Well, what about what about scalability? Because, um, you know, um, we've all had the situation where somebody hires you to build this fully, highly scalable website. You're spending a couple of weeks on just the SQL Server store procedures, building it up. And, you know, you get, my brother could do this in access, you know, that kind of stuff. So obviously there's a difference between, Things that are easy to develop and things that will scale well. How um, how does that work in Cold Fusion? How scalable can it be? It can scale as well as any other application. Consider what the current Cold Fusion architecture is, which of course it has changed over the years. The original version was simply a C plus um, plus based application server, but in today's world, and since about uh, two thousand and one, uh, Cold Fusion is just a Java app. You know, running in a you know, a Java container. So okay. any of the scalability issues that you would have building, say, a, a JSP-based app or maybe using some of the Java derivatives that are out there, um, if it, you know, anything that would run in Tomcat, you know, ColdFusion is just that same creature. You know, there's some licensing issues, but with the various right. iterations of ColdFusion, including the open-source versions, you can essentially build your app, bundle it all as a WAR file, including, you know, cold, the ColdFusion server itself and then deploy that to a Java server. So you're dealing with the exact same scaling issues that you would deal with before. Now I got it. Now the application that you're describing where well my brother could build that in access, the wonderful thing about Cold Fusion is I think you'll agree. There's obviously with .NET or with Java or with, you know, even some of the new uh the new kids on the block like Node.js, you can build some awesomely, you know, uh, scalable solutions, but there's times when you just don't need that. You know, you're inside of an organization and they just want an internet app to manage, you know, their benefits process. They got right. a thousand people in the whole company. 
So Cold Fusion handles those situations very well. But if you want to scale up, you need the engineering effort. You know, Cold Fusion doesn't really manage that process in so sure. much as it, it, you can do it. It does have some features in there for clustering, though, that, you know, you may or may not find in other platforms. That's interesting. So you, you know, you got an Oracle database, you know, that's as big as the Empire State Building running out there. You can hit that no problem from Cold Fusion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, back in the old ASP, uh, we had this write once, read never problem. (laughs) (laughs) Write only language. Yeah, where that that combination of HTML and code just became impenetrable. How, How do you battle that? Or do you have that problem in Cold Fusion? I may be completely wrong here. I know I I talked to PHP people who run into it too. Yeah, it's you have the same problem. Um, you can manage it. And I know probably at some point during our conversation we're going to talk about some of the uh, the frameworks that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Cold Fusion was pretty much initially just a bunch of HTML and Cold Fusion and all spaghetti coded together. Which you know you can do a lot of that today. Um, well, there's a lot of it out there in production, but Cold Fusion does have the ability to, uh, you know, define things in, in components so that if you want to split out your architecture, and if you're using a, a framework, which most professional Cold Fusion developers are, they're all MVC based so that, you know, the architecture, not so much the underlying platform, solves that for you. Right. So, and, and I, that's one of the things I've thought, if, if the sort of testing infrastructure had come along when ASP was still around, ASP would still be around. That hmm. that really it's it's about the tooling that makes that development methodology safe. Well, a lot of it is the culture too, right? I mean, ASP.NET still has the ability to mingle HTML and code, just like we did in ASP, but nobody does it that way. Mostly because the tools and the culture dictate otherwise. Right. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our friends at Telerik. So you know all about the power of ASP.NET MVC. But you might be in need of some good tools to enhance your productivity. Well, our friends at Telerik just shipped the latest release of the Telerik extensions for ASP.NET MVC, 18 jQuery-based native MVC extensions. Now you can enhance productivity by remaining in control of your views without having to write all HTML, CSS, and JavaScript by hand. Did I mention that the Telerik MVC extensions are also free and open source? Plus, now you can check all MVC online demos in both ASPX and Razor views since the extensions offer full support for ASP.NET MVC 3 and the Razor view engine. Download your free copy today at Telerik.com slash free MVC. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. All right. And you also work in ASP.NET. I do. I don't do that much ASP.NET these days. I do a lot of C Sharp, but not a lot of ASP.NET. Hmm. Um, you know, that's been more of a situation where, where the, uh, you know, the requirements, um, you know, as an independent consultant, obviously I can't, you know, I can't be too religious with, uh, my choice of platforms. I have to basically, right. you know, cold fusion keeps me very employed. Let me, let me make that perfectly clear, but well, that's good. I, I can't turn away, you know, if, if somebody has a cold fusion app and they say, Oh, by the way, we also have this ASP.net app. It doesn't really suit me well to say, no, sorry, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. You like eating. Yes. So you do the work. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, and can you sort of compare and contrast? Like, for folks who are working ASP.NET, what would they find different? Well, 
I think you have to delineate, obviously, which version of ASP.NET you're talking about, MVC or web forms. Ah, interesting. Okay. Well, um, looks like it's closer to MVC then. Well, if you're using a Cold Fusion framework, um, you will probably not see that much difference between, uh, you know, uh, ASP, MVC, and, you know, Cold Fusion insert framework here. Um, if you're dealing with web forms apps, it, there is a bit of a, 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 a different process, though you can actually, you'll feel more comfortable working in Cold Fusion tags because a lot of the, you know, abstractions that uh, the web forms offers you, may say, such as the membership provider or, you know, the different data providers, pretty much does exactly what, you know, some of the Cold Fusion tags do. Of course, if you're used to, you know, writing not a great deal of, you know, web forms, like front-end pages, whereas, you know, you're used to working in, say, uh, you know, most of your code being in, in, in your code behind, um, then Cold Fusion components really do a lot of that for you. Though the thing that ASP.NET Web Forms does really nice is it kind of auto-wires everything up. You don't really have to spend a lot of time writing boilerplate code to say, okay, when, you know, in order to grab this code, you know, I have to call this component or I have to include this file. I know, you know, Web Forms does a lot of that work for you. Right. Another thing I like about web forms, which you can do in Cold Fusion, but it's not, like I said, auto-wired up. I really like, you know, the master pages, the ability to define, you know, your layouts at sort of the, you know, the, the, the baked-in application level. You can do that with Cold Fusion, again, if you're using, you know, one of the, you know, the frameworks that are out there. So what sort of frameworks do people typically look at here? And it, uh, you know, there's there's sort of a, a common set. Here's the things you go and get to be productive in Cold Fusion. Absolutely. Um, and I think what the, the biggest difference between, say, ASP and Cold Fusion is Microsoft gives you the framework. There, I'm, I'm aware that there are some other frameworks that are out there. If you right. Don't, you don't want to do MVC. You don't want to do, uh, you know, um, web forms like I believe one of the first ones that jumped into my mind. I believe is Nancy. Right. A, I think an analog yep. to Sinatra. Um, but, you know, most people do it the quote-unquote Microsoft way, whereas Alair and then Macromedia and then Adobe have never really done that. So a lot of developers have stepped in to fill the gap. About 10 years ago, before it, people were even using framework, the word, like it was, you know, a, a great buzzword, uh, there was a, a framework out there called Fusebox, which was essentially nothing more than saying having a front-end controller and then basing on an action, including files. It was that simple. But at the time, it was almost sort of revolutionary. Um, you know, at least people who were used to building web apps from a very sort of um, very abstracted, very, you know, high-end uh, level. Mm -hmm. um, but over the, over the years, of course, Fusebox has sort of had, had a few, you know, like most open, long toothed open source projects had its own little, you know, political issues and everything, and it's sort of gone by the wayside. And there are a number of uh, other frameworks, which are all MVC-based, have sort of stepped in to fill the gap. Um, there's uh, Coldbox is probably the, in my mind, probably the most full-featured, most robust one. It's the one I prefer. Um, but there's other ones out there as well. Uh, Mach 2, uh, Model Glue, uh, there's one out there called FW1. Those are some that, you know, the, the most prominent ones that jump to mind. Okay. Do most people using Cold Fusion uh, just write with a text editor, or is there a standard 
uh, development environment, maybe a, a Java-based development environment? What what uh, what do you guys use, or what do you use anyway? Well, if I can if I can talk just a little bit of Cold Fusion history here. Um, years ago, there was a there was a, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. There was an answer called HomeSite. Yeah, yeah, that's old school. Yeah. Very old school. Well, um, I actually I started working at HomeSite before I started working in Cold Fusion. It was actually developed by a guy named uh, Bradbury, I think. And then when uh, when Alaire was wanting realized they needed to ship some sort of an editor, they purchased it and then it was it had different names. It was HomeSite Plus. It was referred to it uh, as Cold Fusion Studio at one point. When it went to uh, Macromedia, they still sold it up to probably about three or four years ago. Um, in the years since, being as Cold Fusion is Java-based, it's only made natural sense, even though it has nothing to do with the, the fact that it is Java-based, but, you know, right. Eclipse seemed to be a natural fit. And even though Macromedia and Alaire have tried to develop out um, their Dreamweaver product, the features within Dreamweaver to be to work well as a Cold Fusion editor, which it does, um, you know, Eclipse has really worked well for the community. There was a uh, an open source product called a uh, CF Eclipse. It's just a an Eclipse plugin, and it does all the things you would expect from a an editor. Uh, and then in recent years. Um, Adobe has launched a competitor to that, a paid competitor, of course, uh, referred to as uh, Cold Fusion Builder, which is also an Eclipse-based product. Hmm. Um, CF Builder is a good product. Some, a lot, for a lot of developers, it doesn't actually give them enough features to justify the price. However, it does give you some of the features you would expect in a high-level IDE, like you know, Visual Studio, such as you know, code completion and you know, some of those sort of features. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's still a little old school. Didn't Microsoft want Cold Fusion at some point? Yes, I don't yeah, know all the details that. of the uh, the 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 story, but back in 1995, before ASP was you know existed, um, they tried to purchase Cold Fusion from a layer. I don't think the talks went very far. I don't know why, but then shortly after, you know, for whatever reason, those fell through. Then. They ended up uh, purchasing uh, a product from. Uh, they ended up purchasing Aspect Software, the name of the company. I think they got distracted with the OJ trial. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Uh, I'm just kidding. yeah. Well, it's it's yeah. long enough ago. Just, I had to I had to I had to say that just so I won't get hate. <laughs> right. But the funny part is J, JJLR did end up at Microsoft in a very roundabout way, I believe. They ended up um, purchasing his company not uh, last year, but that was a completely different company from the uh, the Cold Fusion world. But you know, in in a very roundabout way, he ended up at the company, or they ended up purchasing his product. I don't know if he was ever an employee of the company or not. Yeah, I'm not sure, but it, I do know that he he appeared at some point. It was a few years ago uh, in uh, in Microsoft briefly, but it was yeah, it was some other acquisition. It was long. I guess it was after Cold Fusion was already a part of Adobe. Right, right. I believe uh, there, there was two of, and and I know the Cold Fusion guys out there are probably uh, you know flame me for forgetting which is which. But one of the guys is he's he's the the technical guy. The other guy's a business guy. When they when uh, Macromedia purchased a layer, um, the technical guy ended up being uh, stepping into like a, a CTO role for a while, and then he eventually went off and did his own thing. And I think the other brother pretty much you know immediately. I don't know, took the money and, and ran and, uh, you know, did whatever, you know, he wanted to do in life. I don't think he wanted to, uh, you know, sometimes I guess you, you give birth to a product and 
once it once it goes somewhere else, it's uh, you know there's a tendency to just say, well, it's no longer mine. I don't. Yeah, well, I think the personality that brings up a product from scratch up is not the same one that will function well in a company as big as Adobe. Right. Just like children. <laughs> yes. Of course, at the time, it wasn't Adobe. It was actually Macromedia. It was Macromedia. Yeah, same difference. Yeah. Same difference. What is the relationship like between the Cold Fusion community and Adobe? This is one I have to, if I can just be blunt, I have to be careful because I, I do have a semi-official role, an unpaid official role, but an official role nonetheless. I am a an Adobe user group manager. Right. And of course, right. Adobe does give us a fair amount of support. So I, let me preface my words with that. Full disclosure. Yeah. yeah. But that said, you would think I would be like, Adobe, yay, yay. You know, we have the pom-poms waving. Honestly, I'm not a fan of Adobe's support of the Cold Fusion community. Mm. Um, if you go to adobe.com and look for Cold Fusion, you've got to dig. Well, and, and that's what I'm thinking that, Adobe makes so, or not makes, but owns so many products, they, well, they, especially they, just in web development. They do, but I, I believe if they really wanted to be a player in the server space, a Cold Fusion is a great product to position them to do that. Um, however, it's there. They support us, um, you know, but we aren't exactly the uh, the the. The, the pride of the family in the same way that, say, Flash is. Right. Hmm. Um, I think Adobe forced, because you're talking a long culture, well mm-hmm. over 20-year mm-hmm. culture of being a design-focused company. Flash, of course, right. is a design-focused product. Right. Flash has server capabilities. So I don't, I, I believe that there's, you know, a time when, uh, you know, maybe Adobe's still growing in that respect. Maybe they're trying to figure out how do we market this product because they're all of a sudden trying to compete in the same spaces, you know, Oracle and Microsoft, mm-hmm. and you know it's 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 challenging. So I think they're learning. However, I would say that I would you know they've owned Cold Fusion for probably you know, four years now. Um, I would like to see a little bit more support. Um, for example, at at the upcoming conference, there really aren't that many Cold Fusion sessions. So they they actually have a semi-sponsored. It's sort of run by the community, but it's also sort of has. Adobe's blessing, uh, what they refer to as an unconference, where I'll actually be speaking. Yeah, that sounds interesting. The unconference. Yeah. Is that like a side conference? Essentially, yes. If you uh, you have to actually have purchased a uh, a ticket, at least to the uh, the like the smallest ticket they have available, such as like the exhibitors conference uh, ticket. But um, yeah, basically, it's a conference run by the community. Now, I will say the Cold Fusion Unconference isn't the only one. They have some others. Such as one of their other server products, which is uh, called Lifecycle, also has an unconference, and I believe there's some others. So, but you know, I think the idea is that because if you've ever been to Adobe Mac, it's a it's, it's a Hollywood event. Well, it's in L.A. <laughs> this portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Grape City. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Boss comes and says, "Sales are up this week. I'm taking everybody out to lunch." Awesome. Next day. Uh, we're taking a loss. What happened? Well, you're a developer. You can create a report. So you go to your boss and say, okay, what should I report on? And they have no idea. Well, here's the good news. Active analysis from Grape City Power Tools empowers your boss, the money guys, so they can find the answers to their own questions. And the best part is, it's a control. Completely self-contained 
BI. Using a drag-and-drop interface, users can easily discover trends in the data, and more importantly, the deviations from those trends through its powerful graphical analysis capabilities. Development against the control is easy. All you have to do is provide the data. Active analysis will take care of the aggregation, grouping, filtering, and sorting for the user. Of course, it offers programmatic control of all these operations, too. So if you want more company lunches, do your boss a favor. Use active analysis. For a free evaluation, please go to gcpowertools.com slash analysis. And don't forget to thank Grape City for being a great sponsor of .NET Rocks. Are there third-party components that you can buy for Cold Fusion, or is it mostly open source? Um, primarily, most of the applications and components that are out there are open source. The component model doesn't work well because it generally, even though you can do some things to compile, uh, say, into a class and try to call it into Cold Fusion, it just it doesn't work well with the Cold Fusion development model. So there are a lot of uh, of open source components out there. However, there are there is a, there's a market out there. It's just I don't think that you don't have any big players like you don't have any Telerix or you know mm. uh, in, in for logistics. I think is another big .NET company. I believe right. for sure. Uh, you don't have those sort of companies in in the cold fusion world. It's a, well. That, which is interesting because ColdFusion is not a free product, right? Like Adobe sells it for a non-trivial sum of money. Correct. So you think there'd be more of an eco? There's obviously anybody who owns ColdFusion has paid money. It's not like you're you're in this open source loop where, hey, my my frame, all this stuff is free. Why would I pay for any of this? Although it does seem like most of the things are free. It must be the size of the market itself that's not as significant enough for the big players to be interested. Well, the thing about ColdFusion is it's in order to have a paid market, you really need to be able to protect your stuff. Um, and even though you can do some decompiling in .NET, um, using some of the obfuscators that are available, you can, for the most part, protect your product. That's very difficult, very challenging in the cold fusion world. So I think it's all interpreted. paired with the fact that there, um, it's not a very large market, um, just has yeah, that that makes it challenging now. Uh, and this is, bears a point that we might talk about here in a here in a little bit, but there are actually open source implementations of Cold Fusion. Oh, that's interesting. Well, and before we get onto that, I want to make the point that it turns out that in the .NET space, the market is so big that nobody worries about obfuscation. I mean, it, that used to be a concern back in the beginning of the .NET community, but I don't know anybody now that's even concerned about it because, well, maybe it's just so complex that you're taking, you're really taking your chances when you steal somebody's code and use it and claim that it's your own, especially for a web entity because you are easy to find. <laughs> that is you very know? true. That, there's that so. and, you know... Um, and I think some of the the issues you see with the third party marketplace. Don't get me wrong. There are app. There are you can buy third party applications the same way you can buy PHP apps. But I think the 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 component market is is probably the same the same concerns you're going to see in Perl or PHP. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm still, but I'm fascinated this idea that there is an you know like the idea of having an open source version of ASP.NET. Well, I guess we got yeah. Mono, right? But that was really a platform right. shift. Are you saying, you know, there's no platform shift? It's just people have done other implementations? Absolutely. 
the fact that it was a Java-based, um, you know, implementation, of course, that got people going uh, with the idea of, well, wow, well, then why can't we just write our own version? And uh, there's actually been, there's at least one company that tried that approach and failed. Um, however, the, uh, you know, currently there's two very large open source um, implementations. There's uh, Rilo, actually it looks like Raylo, and of course with all the media that, you know, Ruby on Rails gets, it gets confusing at times, but uh, that's at Git Rilo. Uh, dot com. Don't even bring up the JavaScript version of that JLo. <laughs> yeah, might as well. Yeah, that would be a combination of a of Node and a, of Rilo, right? Um, and then uh, there's another one called Open Blue Dragon, uh, which is similarly a Java uh, a Java implementation of you know Cold Fusion, which is kind of interesting because that actually spawned off of a of, of a product owned by New Atlanta called Blue Dragon, which is actually a .NET implementation of Cold Fusion. Yeah, All right, my head hurts. Is this the? Isn't Blue Dragon the tool that MySpace used to migrate from Cold Fusion to ASP.NET? Yes, it is. Ah, yes, it is. Hmm. back when when MySpace mattered. Right. <laughs> now you understand that we weren't picking on Cold Fusion. We just pick on everybody. <laughs> well, of course, absolutely. Hey, that's. That's great. And, and we don't mean a word of it, by the way. <laughs> really, we're trying to be nicer people. We're just trying to make a joke once yeah. in a while. That's all. I'm trying, I'm trying to be a better person. It isn't working, but I'm trying. trying. We're trying. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to be better people. Hey, I'm sure whatever jokes you can come up with Cold Fusion, I've heard a lot worse. There, oh, no, some, now that's a challenge. There's some people out there. there. There's some people out there. They get You mentioned Cold Fusion, and you know you think they've... You know, you said you wanted to in- inject the spawn of Satan into their server. <laughs> what? You guys don't do that? What? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that'll be a maybe that'll be a version in the next release. Who knows? All right. I, is that? Yeah. I thought you were challenging us to come up with new Cold Fusion jokes because I'll do it. <laughs> don't don't dare me because I will. I don't I don't know enough about Cold Fusion to to make a good joke. Right. There's actually a, some really. Um, and that's, that's what, you know, Cold Fusion isn't that big, so, but it hasn't received as much, uh, you know, uh, negative press maybe as some of the other, uh, you know. All right, all right I got one. I, I got okay. one. Is there a Fox Pro version of Cold Fusion? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Believe it or not, back in the day, you could actually tap into a Fox Pro database. If no! You that's awesome! <laughs> I actually went on my first Cold Fusion job. There, uh, they had a POS that was, uh, well, let me, clarify what I mean by POS, a, a point-of-sale system that um, that ran a, a Fox Pro database, and I had the great idea that I wanted to put them online, and so I decided to, uh, hey, I can just connect it up to a ColdFusion data source and write code against it. I spent the entire next day fixing their broken Fox Pro database on, on the phone with oh, their uh, nice. company, their POS systems tech support. Oh, my God. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> just say no. Hey, my first Cold Fusion apps actually use Access as a backend. Wow. Yeah, it's uh Oh. So you know about pain. Ah, uh, yes, I do. <laughs> that was one of the that was almost one of the the scary things on our Halloween episode many years ago. You remember yeah. that little the ghost sounds right. and PHP with an Access backend. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, I remember. Well, that right. is funny. Uh, oh, where's what's my what's my cold fusion joke? What's the difference between a cold fusion programmer and a pepperoni pizza? A pepperoni pizza can feed a family of four. Oh, nice. 
Hey, from what it sounds like, you know, that's not yeah. true. I mean, uh, there's money to be made. Oh, there's plenty of money. I Here, two years ago, um, uh, I was at a, a strange place in my career where I was needed to make some decisions, and I was really tooling up to go hardcore.net. Hmm. Um, and I just, the work never stopped coming. Yeah, to this hmm. day, I I still get uh, enough cold fusion offers that if you know if I wanted to, I could I could just just step out a little further and I could probably keep two or three people fed. I mean, there's there's enough work out there. And nice. The cold fusion community is really very. Um, it's the the benefit to a small community is that it's tight knit. Yeah. And that th- there's yeah. plenty of work to be found. I know that when I hop on a .NET mailing list, I'm just I'm a nobody. Um, well, it just goes to, to show you if you do what you're strong at and you just keep doing it and do it really well, somebody's going to hire you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but are they green? Are there many greenfield projects, or is this maintaining existing sites? There, um, there's. I wouldn't say there's a lot of new work in Cold Fusion, mm-hmm. though. There's there, there there's enough. Um, you see a lot of rewrites of, of existing cold fusion applications. Um, like say it was written in a traditional methodology. Now they want to move to one of these, you know, um, MVC frameworks. Right. And there's a fair amount of work to convert from cold fusion to say .NET. I see quite a bit of that. Um, I would say, like to say I, I see a lot going the other direction, but not so much. But I would say for the most part, uh, you're talking, uh, you know, you know, brownfield stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in, in the same way that that environments like uh, Fox Pro for a select group of people, it's a steady living. You know, there's good work to yep. be done, but it's largely maintaining and expanding existing applications. Right. And now I would say that when the new versions of Cold Fusion come out, because there's been plenty of new features added in recent right. years that you see, you know, uh, maybe the the app itself isn't greenfield, but, you know, they want to build on a new piece. Like, yeah, for example, and, you, I want and you're right. PDF. I'm making an unfair comparison there. I mean, Fox Pro is not shipping any new versions, and Cold Fusion right. is. It is a living product, yeah. granted owned by uh, a company that is somewhat frustrating to deal with, but uh, it's, it is still evolving. Right. So what do you think is going to happen? Do you think Adobe will get rid of it, or uh, do you think somebody else will buy it? Do you think... Uh, what do you think the future of Cold Fusion is? I think the the future of Cold Fusion, uh, separate from Adobe, I think is strong. Uh, there's there's you know I think there's a there's a desire to you know maintain these abstractions. I mean that's why you know languages like you know uh, that's why Ruby on Rails has been so successful. So I believe right. Cold Fusion has a rich history in, in front of it. Um, now as far as Adobe is concerned, um, honestly I think. If you ask me in October, I probably have a different answer because I want to see what they do with their new release. Yeah, I think they really need to focus on it. I think they really need to try to, you know, make a presence and not just, you know, well, you know, bury you know ten links deep inside their website. So if if I think Adobe has has the ability to to basically you know not do well with the product, but they also have the ability if they want to to really become a major, major player in that space. So I would say the the ball's in their court and it's up to whatever decisions they decide to make. It sounds like it was a purchase that was made because it, they perceived it as a threat. And so they purchased it and try to keep it down a little bit. Well, when they purchased Flash, when they pur- that's what, they didn't buy Macromedia, they purchased Flash. Right. You know, let's be clear on what, what was the driving force behind that purchase. 
Um, a lot of things came with it. Some of those things have gone away. Some of those things have actually replaced um, Adobe offerings. For example, Dreamweaver uh, replaced their uh, um, their you know web design tool at the time. Um, however, Cold Fusion did fit very nicely in with some of what Flash was doing. And so I think for those reasons, they've kept Flash around because there's a lot of Flash and Flex developers out there that have utilized, you know, Cold Fusion as a uh, as a backend. So, so in other words, you don't think that's the case. You don't think they saw it as a threat. They they saw it as something they would would like to own because there are people who will buy it, but not necessarily. Uh, it's not necessarily their market. I would, yeah, I would disagree that it was a threat because it it, it was nowhere in in their space at all. Yeah, it seems right. to me it was not it's even not- on their radar. They wanted Flash, and they got Cold Fusion in the process. Yes. Hmm. And it's and it, it's like it's, it's I hate to say it, but it seems like it's a redheaded stepchild kind of thing. You know, it's there. It sounds that way. It's got a bunch of people really angry when we do anything to it, so we should yeah. leave it alone. The community does get excited if if uh, you want to have some fun, go on Twitter and just. Use a cold fusion uh, hashtag and then uh, watch and it happen. Bashing and just you know watch watch Twitter light up. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, guys, I think that's a show. Yeah, Billy, this has been fun. Thanks for uh, thanks for agreeing to come on the show. Well, I I really enjoy it. Um, I I love listening to .NET Rocks because I've actually learned plenty of uh, non .NET topics over the uh, over the show. So you know I, I enjoy being able to come on here and uh, I really enjoy the fact that you guys uh you know. See that there's you guys aren't fanboys either, and so you know that I'm really excited by that. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, well, thanks. And uh, you know, th- you do learn stuff that's not about .NET, like for example, how much a seat on a uh, trip to space costs. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> or how much uh, that most money you could spend on an electric toilet seat. We got that yeah. one in there too. Yeah. <laughs> or how to destroy your office with a fish tank. Yes. Well, on a more serious note, I actually uh, one of your shows when you're talking about phone gap that actually let I was I was battling over my mind how I was going to do this mobile solution and do it fast, and then I just happened to listen to your show one night, and they gave me I stopped at Starbucks, started writing some phone gap code, and and, and I went off. So you know, and that was a definitely a non.net related topic. So you know, it's definitely a, yep. a, an awesome resource. Awesome. Well, thank you. Well, thanks very much. Well, thanks again, Billy, and we will see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC Yes, I'm a, a time bomb